Till Death Do Us Recap. I'm Britt. I'm Tim. And we are recapping Real Housewives of Beverly Hills episode five today. And we have so many things to talk about. So, so many things. I'm excited. Um, but before we get into it, if you have been enjoying these recaps and you haven't had the chance yet to um, give us a review, write us a review, and or add us on social needs, um, we ask that you do that for us because it really, really helps. Every added review or added five star bumps us up so that we can get more listeners and um, just continue putting out great content for you. So, <laughs> And it's good for the self-esteem. Also that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't taken a few minutes to do that, we would so appreciate that. It takes like two seconds and it helps us out. So let's get into this week. Oh my goodness. <sighs> I just have to say off the top here. Okay. That I am not typically a person who is like, let's keep politics out of everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to watch the ball game. I don't want politics. Normally, I'm I'm like, I invite it all in. Yeah. Because everything is, in my opinion, inherently political, whether you think so or not. Right. Uh, whether you're aware or not. I will say, with this, I'm going to zag a little bit <laughs> as it relates to Housewives. I am done with the election watch parties. I had yeah. to go through two of them this week. Yeah. One on New York and one on Beverly Hills. And I get it. It was a big moment. Like we were all, they I were understand. They through it and exactly. they couldn't have avoided it. They couldn't it. have avoided it. But I will say, I don't, I need to see Erica drama. I don't yeah. need to see election, election things. Yeah. We just went through a pandemic we had this crazy election, super, you know, divisive, crazy. Everyone has a different opinion on it. A little thing called an insurrection a couple months later. <laughs> and I just want to watch my damn housewives yeah. and not have to think about this. Yeah. So I no more election that. parties. <laughs> I know. And I think it's awkward because I don't know. We all know that all of these housewives casts are pretty like split. You know, like conservative, liberal, like we know that there are they're all split politically and they're all trying to avoid addressing that. Yeah. It's like if you're going to do it, talk about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm know. just like, let's be honest. Nobody wants to spend election night with someone who wants the other person to win. No, that's not how anybody wants, especially when the stakes feel like insanely high, like nobody wants to do that. So I just personally have secondhand cringe having to bear witness to other people forcing it to happen. Now, I will say the election party in Beverly Hills was far better than the election party in New York, in my opinion. Oh, the New York election party was fucking awkward. It was, it was so awkward and it was so quiet and bright light and there was no real party vibe except the amazing food and Sonia got trashed and it was just the worst. Well, also election party on the East Coast to me right. is a little bit like, I mean, it's 11 o'clock by the time that the West Coast polls close. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. It's you're pointless. not even get. Yeah, you're not. Well, even and we went, everyone went into this election 
after the pandemic, knowing that it was going to take longer to get finalized results because of all the mail-in voting. So I'm just like, why would anyone even plan an election party for this year? Because more than ever, the first night was going to be sort of pointless. Yeah. Yeah. But Kyle showed out. Because Kyle knows how to throw a great party. Oh, such a great party. So luxurious. There's like this incredible outdoor setup with like projector TV and like loungy seating and all this great food and yeah. everybody dresses up. Dorit misses the patriotic memo. And I think she just thought like I'm dressing presidential because she wore a suit. <laughs> she thought she was she thought she was Jackie O. Yeah. I think. With lime green. Her presidential look consisted of a hair clip that said vote. On right. It, that Rena was wearing as well. Right. Not the first time this week that Rena copied a look. Oh but, my uh, God. We'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um Mauricio, the bartender. Ugh. The guys looked great. I wanted to be on that porch, obviously. Obviously. Um, I love when we get to see Mauricio vibe with the other hubs. Um, oh, yeah. It's so much fun. So we obviously have a couple dramas at this election party. Yes. <laughs> that have nothing to do with the election. It's so funny. It really feels like it was just an excuse to have a gathering. Definitely you know, was. I mean, what? These guys are listening to, like, Wolf Blitzer and John King go county to county, yeah. like, glued to the TV. Come on. That's not happening. Yeah. PK and Maurice. <laughs> um, okay, so we need to address drama number one, which we ha- are completely unbeknownst. Like, we had no idea this happened until yes, now. Yes, I know. So un- this, I love unseen footage. Yeah, oh, love Especially, it. like, love the it. beginning of so an episode, and it's like, you guys as fans did not know that this yeah. was happening. We've been sitting on this until now. <laughs> um, so Dorit and Kyle, they are confuse me so much because they're either like thick as thieves family vibes like when they came back and like in episode one you find out that like Kyle's family and Dorit's family were in each other's pod for the whole pandemic and like going on crazy yacht vacations yeah and and their husbands are super tight yeah you know but then these weird little things happen, like at least once a season between them, that make it seem like Dory can't fucking stand Kyle. So this stupid thing on the airplane, I still don't quite understand it, but apparently Dory and Crystal were talking for a long time and Kyle wanted to be a part of it and wanted to contribute something. Kyle, of course, says, Dory, you were talking for 45 minutes and I thought I could just like put in one contribution and Dory like snaps at her and is like you're interrupting me Kyle Kyle PK so so then I guess that carries over because then they get in like a kerfuffle I don't know what to make of this yeah I was gonna ask you what are your thoughts well so then they have this I was just trying to glean because there was so little in that in watching that scene back and it is confusing and then Kyle starts crying which Never really, it's not that I don't understand where she's coming from. It's, I just, like, it, I think a lot of people get put off when she does that mm. so soon. You know, like, it's like, oh, and now you're crying, and now we all have to take care of you. Like, yeah. people, I feel like, get a little twatty with that. And so I just feel like that didn't help her. But when I was really trying to just take in info when they had this talk at the party, like, okay, what am I missing here? And I feel like 
I don't know. This is clearly an ongoing problem because Kyle made multiple comments about how she talks like for a long time. And then Dorit made a comment saying like, you're always making comments about how I talk too much or I am going on and on and on. So that made me think like, okay, does Dorit have a habit of talking at people? Like, is she one of those people that talks at people for a really long time and then you kind of are like, uh, hello? Because she's always been a little out of touch, would, let's be honest. Would not surprise me if that was the case. Yeah. And I know she was like, well, we had issues last season, Kyle, with how much you interrupted me. And I think that there were like a couple incidences. And it's one of those things where it's like once once it's brought, especially someone like Dory, once it's brought to her attention that this might be happening, then she's like looking for it everywhere. Mm. And so I kind of feel like, I don't know. I just feel like this is the first time that this has happened this season. I feel like she's overreacting, Dory. I feel like, I feel like there is some stuff going on underneath the surface because this, this in it, in it of itself just seemed like weird and like why random why yeah just very random like i kind of have a theory actually okay what's your theory why don't my you tell theory, me your theory is that dory thinks garcelle and crystal are cool and she wants their approval and i think dory is always going to she's she strikes i feel like i've observed that at the end of the day, she always wants like the coolest girls in the room's approval over anyone else. Mm. And I kind of feel like this is where I understand where Kyle's coming from because Kyle is just consistent and she's never like trying to be anything she isn't. So, And I don't think that she, Dory views Kyle as someone who gives her like coolness points or coolness cred. And so sometimes I feel like if we're in a social setting and the cool girls are in the room and Kyle's in the room. And like, like Dorit's always going to overcompensate and, and try and be cool for the cool girls over Kyle. So what you're saying pretty much is, I think, yeah, I, I think you're right actually, because um, Kyle, I think- Because I think Ky she really loves Kyle. Yeah, and but I think Kyle's kind of coming- her for granted. Exactly, Kyle's coming at this from the perspective of, hey, for the last year, when we were, our families were hanging out and being with each other all the time, we were tight, we got over the stuff from last year and now cameras are back and they're rolling right. and you want, you're yeah. chasing some clout with other people. Yes, and then even the way that Dory was, I just feel like Kyle's coming from this really earnest place of like, but I really love you. And I thought we were real friends and like, can we talk about this like real friends? And Dory almost seems like she's playing a character of like a cold, bitchy girl who's just like, I'm just done with you, Kyle. And even it's like, if you guys are real friends, really, that's the way you end that conversation. She just starts getting up and putting her purse on going, okay, Kyle, okay, Kyle, okay, Kyle, we're done. And then she's like, we're leaving. And I was just like, Kyle's whole thing was, please don't talk to me that way. Dorit's whole thing is, you have a history of interrupting me. And Kyle was like, I really took that to heart when you said that last season. And I've really been trying and I feel like I've been better. And the whole reason that I let you drone on and on for 45 minutes on the plane before I wanted to put in my little two cents was because I was afraid you were gonna say this about me. 
And then after, you know, and I think that Dorit was waxing poetic with Crystal and didn't like that Kyle was interrupting it at all. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I highly doubt from a logistical standpoint that Dorit was talking for 45 minutes because they flew from Tahoe to L.A. That's like a 45 minute flight. So I think well, we have it, some exaggeration. It could be like 60 minutes. And for most of the flight, she was talking. Sure. Yeah, she's probably exaggerating. But I don't know. I'm just Team Kyle right now. And I don't know. What do you like? I think I am, too. I don't like hate Dorit. But Dorit also like, I don't know. I, I will never forget those first couple seasons with her where she was so she was incapable of taking responsibility for freaking anything. She was like totally a gaslighter. Like, I don't know. Like, I even remember stuff with Lisa Rinna. Like, she was, I don't know. I, Kyle, I, like, Kyle is a uh, like come as you are person and is just gonna like be that consistent, like, um, like consistent friend and, and party host. And Dorit is a vibe and an arrival. And turns it on. Exactly. And plays it up. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Meanwhile, they're having this conversation, and then you've got the husbands. So you've got Crystal's husband Rob, who's new mm-hmm. to the group, the Lion King guy, talking with Mauricio and PK. And it's funny because I I think it's funny that Mauricio and PK. I mean, it's not a surprise because PK, if you've ever watched his first, he tried to be a main character his first season or two and got way over involved in all of the women's drama. Oh, so it, oh, we hated him back then. And so it's so funny to me. It's like, of course you care still about what's going on between the ladies and you absolutely have an opinion on it. And they try and talk about it. And, you know, Mauricio is talking about the, it's just interesting. They're all talking about the whole thing that happened in Tahoe and how Sutton walked in. And Rob's like, I really like Sutton. She's been nice to me tonight. <laughs> and Mauricio, I feel like Mauricio's thoughts on it are kind of my takeaways, you know, about that whole thing, which is just like, come on. This was a girl's trip. And like Sutton was not being malicious by that. And this, that was just ridiculous. And then PK is clearly parroting whatever Dorit thinks. Yeah. Which, of course, Dorit thinks that because Dorit is, like, overcompensating to be, like, full Team Crystal, you know? Yes. And so he's like, well, she should have knocked. I would never open the door if, if without knocking. And Mauricio's like, oh, shut up, PK. <laughs> if we were at a guy's trip, like, are you kidding me? Like, I would knock and crack the door and you wouldn't flip a shit. But anyway, I, that whole thing is just, again, where, like, I still, I am not anti-Crystal, but I just have very mixed feelings about her because there's parts of her that I really like and parts of her that bother me. Well, that's a good segue. Yeah. Because I was dying in the, on the way over, Crystal and Rob were talking and they were talking, Crystal was talking about, like, other people's drama and she said something to the effect of, this is such like a big, important election. I really hope that like other people's like pettiness and tiffs, like we can just move past that tonight. Mm-hmm. And then she walks in and is like, so I lost five pounds and that's because of you bitches. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so yeah. interesting. Yeah, so this again, like 
I feel confused because on one hand, I understand like so brave for her to admit that she struggled for a huge portion of her life with bulimia. Um, this is a really important conversation that needs to be had. There are so many more women that deal with this than are comfortable talking about it. And so like anything else that oftentimes gets shoved in the shadows, I think that it is as silly as it seems very beneficial when mainstream shows, including reality TV, like include shit like this yeah. because it just normalizes it and helps people to realize that they're not alone. So that was huge. And that was really intense, like to hear that that started when she was 11 and that her parents never knew is yeah. nuts. Like she really like went through that alone. It sounds like, like, yeah. Um, and it makes sense why when you struggle with that for so long, you are very hyper aware of your body and your weight. And like, it's a lifelong battle, just the mental side of it. Even if you're not still like, uh, even if you're not still bulimic, it's a, it's a, it's a thought pattern. That's like very hard for people to get rid of. And so it's a big deal when someone like loses weight either on purpose or on accident and sometimes can happen when things get really stressful and then it can trigger all that eating disorder yeah. stuff. So I get all of that. I do. And well. I appreciate that. And yet I don't like the way that it came up, it totally started as a freaking shady thing. And yeah, it's like, that is so awkward yeah, like to like, we're at the election party. We're sitting down we're doing like a very like surface level debrief of how everyone's feeling since the trip. And I mean, everybody knows that the only reason that that would be when she's talking about the stress that would make her lose weight in two days is Sutton. So she's like, oh, I mean, I lost five pounds. And I mean, yeah. And, and it was just weird. It felt a little bit manipulative as a way of sharing your story yes as an intro to going into that it did it can't that, and that's why I, like that's how i felt off the top like i agree with everything you said about the importance of having these conversations yeah but yeah the way it was introed was very like oh okay so like yeah uh, you're not helping i don't know you're not we're not moving past this well and my thing is like you don't have to like Sutton, like, you know, you don't, but like, we don't have to pretend that you guys don't have awkward tension, but to basically like the way she presented that and putting that entirety on her, I don't know, even if she had brought this up in like a private conversation with like two or three of the other housewives in a different context, I would have not felt this way about yeah. it but because it was like she threw that at Sutton in front of all the women yeah it just felt a little manipulative I don't know what else to say about it I'm here for the I mean I just think that the the Crystal Sutton stuff is gonna be yeah ongoing it's ongoing yeah so I and look Sutton to... looked like deathly uncomfortable when Crystal is starting to share this like her whole She's like frantically looking around. She kept like shrugging her shoulders, like just so stressed. I'm just ready for a leather pants week. <laughs> I know, it? we keep hearing about. I know, I'm excited.
The only other thing that I had to say on this, which I don't want to be, I don't mean to be judgmental by it, but I just did think it was interesting when Crystal was speaking with her husband about it more, like later, and it was private, and she was sharing more details. It could have just been for cameras, but it very much felt like this was a conversation that they had never really had very in depth before. Hmm. And I was like, huh, that's just an interesting thing for husband and wife. Like, it felt like he was learning a lot of these things for the first time because she even made a comment of like, we honestly don't talk about this that much or something like that. So I don't know. It could have been more for camera than not, but I was sort of like, huh. I'm still trying to figure out their dynamic a yeah. little bit. Yeah, me too. Um, we saw more of the day-to-day ongoings with them and the yeah. parenting styles and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And um, she's like, he's definitely nicer than me. He's less rigid. She thinks he's a coddler. <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm just still trying to get a grasp on, on what they're all about. Yeah, me too. Only five episodes so far. So yeah. more will come, I'm sure. Yeah. So, I mean, then Sutton gets a lot of FaceTime this episode. Like, a lot. Uh, she gets, like, after all of that, we get her private Bentley shopping session with Garcelle where she says, this is how you shop. Just like when you're getting clothes. No, not not clothes, couture. Couture and properly shopping couture is by yourself with a personal shopper. And it should be no different with the car. I was like, oh my God. Them getting... The, the Bentley dealership shutting down so Garcelle and Sutton could peruse around maskless. without maskless was my out-of-touch moment of the week. Oh, absolutely. And then she makes her comment, my business manager knows what I can afford, and um, so do the dealers here. I was like, that is so crazy. Like, you just have a whole team that's basically, like, your... They just tell you, like, can I do it or can I not? Like, you don't have... They get to make all the hard decisions for you. And, like, even the stress of the sticker purchase. Like, oh, my business manager is dealing with that. I don't know if I would use the word stress at all because the way that Sutton lives her life seems pretty stress-free to me. No, <laughs> her I'm financial her business decisions. managers yeah. get to do all of yeah. that, so she never even has to think about it. Yeah. Um, but for- I did think it was funny, though. Like when she, cause she's upset, like we're really getting it clear this season that like Sutton isn't gonna talk about how much things cost because it's tacky. But she flaunts her well. That's I know. My thing. And that's my problem with her. I'm like, let's just be transparent. Like, can we just talk about it? Can you just, I hate, it's like, it's that I'm just the way, it's that energy of like, it's not proper. Yeah. And it's I'm like, like, you're a housewife. Come on. Yeah, like, come on, you have $2,000 slippers. That's we, what I was going to say. We should be able to talk about the price of the slippers. We should be able to talk about... We have an idea of your exorbitance by the fact that you had giant fluff balls on your feet in Tahoe that cost $2,000. Yeah. And that was like, it didn't even bat an eyelash. Yeah, so come on, stop. Yeah, just it's, own it. It's... Own it, Sutton, uh, as Rena would say. Um, And then we get a, like, little... She gives Kathy and Kyle a little private shopping experience in her store. Again, like so much Sutton time. Which is boarded up, by the way. Oh, yeah. 
the, <laughs> the best so Sutton. visual to yeah. see Sutton's. She's the Ramona of Beverly Hills. Scared of the violence. Yeah. Uh, Ugh, so, of course. So she's in there. I was just dying that Kathy was just critiquing the store layout. Like, yeah. the entire time. Looking around perplexed. She was like, do you need this desk here? <laughs> She's like, what's in that closet? That closet seems like it's empty. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. Um, and Sutton did lightly drop that her party was going to be $35,000, her Parisian girls luncheon. So I just needed that to be said. Um, and then we go to her party, which she's just desperate to have a party. So in Kyle's old house, in Kyle's old house that she's renting. So she has her Parisian party and they've like sort of turned half the space into like a pop up shop. Of I her think store. that is like the tackiest shit. I know I have ever seen. Well, then there's she was like mannequins in the hallway had, that he had uh, the, the price tags. Yeah. So she wants the price hidden. But it's like jewelry. you're still this isn't decor. You're low key still trying to sell this. Yeah, and yeah, she she made a comment like the party has to pay for itself somehow. So, but it's like if we never talk about price and I want that ring, how do I know how much money to give you? <laughs> well, she's gonna ask. <laughs> I know all oh, these freaking rules that she has. I just I if I want to go to if I'm going to a party, I don't want to be peddled with your Tupperware, your Avon, your mannequins, <laughs> or just, your two thousand dollar fine jewelry. Yeah. Just uh, let me be. Let me eat a croissant at this Parisian let party. Let me be here. So obviously we have so many great Lukes. Uh, Kyle was killing it, and then Rena shows up. She has to have a time every season. Do you think at this point that producers are facilitating this? Because this is ridiculous. I do. Once I, a I, season, Rena shows up to a party, head to toe in the same outfit as someone else. This has happened with Garcelle. This has happened with, with Erica. With Erica. This has happened with Kyle. I This is ridiculous. I think there's something going on something here. Something fishy. There's something fishy. Yeah. I think that there's there it has to be a hint from producers. It Rena like it seems like she would enjoy playing a game like this and just like frazzling everyone for the yeah. moment. Yeah. I mean, I will say I think that Kyle's Kyle won the look if we have to pick. Oh, for sure. The hat, the, the accessorizing. Yeah. Just yeah, she had a whole thing. Oh yeah. I mean, and also one quick bit on Rena. Mm -hmm. I am loved the election day look. Oh my gosh, yes. She won that night for me with her outfit. I one things I love about Rena, obviously, you know I'm a Rena stan. Yeah. So she can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> Um, one of the things I love the most is that she is just so free in her fashion looks and like her, it's a whole thing. It's yeah. a whole vibe. It's a whole, yeah. uh, she's not afraid to wear different hair. Exactly. Yeah. She's, she's like, Oh, I want to be a Barbie today. So I'm going to wear this hair and this look and this yeah. lip. You know, yeah. and the next day. And there's day, something about it that's a little less annoying than like the Dorit of it all. Yes. You know, because Dorit, it's like, I can respect her effort, but at the same time, it's a little much the effort. Like sometimes. Yes. Whereas like Rena, just in general, her 
she's just got like a more pleasant energy. So you yeah, just get I mean, excited when like, she gets Dory out of the car is with some crazy outfit. Yeah. A little bit more, so. Dorit has great fashion. She just takes herself really seriously, Dorit. Exactly. That's Rin what is, it is. Yeah, Rin is more free-flowing. Like, fun. Yeah, more fun and not, like, I mean, every time Dorit, every, every time Dorit leaves the house, it seems like she thinks there's a runway somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm getting a little over, sorry, this has become a fashion conversation okay. now. I'm getting a little over like the plaid suity vibes. I just feel like I've seen a lot of like, yeah, put together plaidness. Well, plaid has been big. Between plaid and then all of the like designer, like the, streetwear? the Louis Vuitton street, all that stuff where it's just all of the label. Yeah, Fendi, pattern. Fendi, yeah. You know, she's, that's very much her thing. And I would say it's getting a tad tired. We could use some. I need now. I need Dorit to kind of like f- f- flip the script, if you will. Okay. So I'll be looking for that. That's anyway, fair. I digress. <laughs> so, I mean, really, this Parisian party is really uh, uh, like the all of the buildup is around the fact that Erica is coming. And Erica on election day announced that she was getting a divorce from Tom, which is brilliant that she, like, I don't know why it didn't really register for me when it happened, but now that we're like watching it and like rehashing it, I'm like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Like she really like was counting on nobody noticing. Oh yeah, one of the best, like, you know, corporations and things like that, like will drop stuff on like Friday or politicians, it'll drop stuff on like, Friday afternoon, so yeah. it's like okay, let's disappears. Let's in the look in, in, throughout the weekend. Yeah, the ultimate drop if you want to go undetected is oh, let me just drop this news the morning of the biggest election in the history of the United States. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so again, I mean, we really we get left with a big fat teaser all over again. So that's annoying. Like, there's not really a lot else to say about this Parisian party because it's barely underway, other than the fact that Sutton was being kind of a monster with her party planner, and I felt bad for him. Mm. <laughs> um, but we get, like, the big entrance from Erica, and that then the quite... last shot is her, like, just taking her first step in the doorway and standing, and then in the background is the the cross. The crucifix on the, the wall. crucifix on the wall, and, and then it's like, dun, 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 and it's over. So this, my friends, is where we are going to segue into what we learned from the ABC special that was released on Monday night of this week called The Housewife and the Hustler. That has been released in regards to her husband, Tom Girardi, and all of the money that he's lost and or embezzled from victims he's represented over the last however long, because apparently- Decades. Yeah, I mean, apparently decades of shady behavior and he's just, okay. So before we do that, this is what is very fascinating is to have this special come out this week that really got into the dark nitty gritty details. More so, I mean, the main takeaways of The Housewife and the Hustler, if you haven't watched it yet, are really all around Tom. There's nothing really that credible or new that we learned about Erica, um, especially when you're in, 
<laughs> when the first quote unquote witness um, that wants to give perspective on Erica is a housewife of New Jersey who says, I've really never known Erica that well other than the work we've done on two episodes of Watch What Happens Live together. But I've never really liked her. It's like, oh, wow, this is going to be a really credible, deep digging documentary. Yeah. Oh, right out of the gate. <laughs> a housewife from across the country that is... And then Dana who was a friend of Housewives for one season, like seven years oh, ago. that's right. Who has a podcast now, was the other big witness. I mean, here's the thing. We know Erica's been on Housewives for a few years now. Five years. Five years now, yeah. Six years. Six years. Like we know she spends money. We know she has her world tours. Right. We're not getting any new information there. With her. Like, but what we learned from the special is that like so many of us, our intro to Tom Girardi was through Erica Jane on Housewives, right? So yes. we were just all like, okay, you're a lawyer. Like, I guess it makes sense. I guess, I guess there's some very rich lawyers. Like, I've never thought twice about it, to be honest with you, because like we were not in the know about him. So when you watch this special, you really find out that in like the legal community, Tom Girardi is the one who broke the uh, Aaron Brockovich case and like won again, helped her win against PG and E like 25 years ago, that whole, the movie, the Pelican grave brief with Julia Roberts, great film. Um, so that was him. And apparently his entire career has been about representing victims of like corporations. So and getting you, them settlements and helping getting them yeah. settlements. So like, Apparently, in the legal community, he's been so well connected to like attorney generals, federal prosecutors, politicians who have all been wanting to be in his good graces because of his reputation for so many years. And apparently there's like some which makes so much sense. But I just didn't know this about him. There is etiquette around like when that's the kind of legal work you do. Yeah, you're going to make money. You're usually going to make 10 percent of whatever a settlement is that they win. And it's not lost on anyone that you can make a lot of money that way, but you're not going to flaunt it when this money, like you- you Is going to a victim? Right. <laughs> of something? <laughs> right. And so the way that this normally works is the settlement money for the victims usually comes through within like one to three months and it goes into a trust that the legal team has for them. And then the 10% goes directly to the law firm and the legal team is never to touch that trust. Yes. And that trust is supposed to be distributed pretty much right away. And so basically Tom Girardi has done like the worst thing that you could possibly do, which is that he has blown tens of millions of dollars. He was dipping into the funds for the victims and using it for his personal life. Um, and of course, people have a lot to say about the fact like of how it made victims feel and people in the legal community to suddenly see Erica Jane on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills flaunting her wealth. I mean, showing it all. Not forty thousand dollars a month glam team getting uh, getting it all put together again. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard. It's weird because you know if you're just watching season to season and episode to episode, you're kind of like, oh, this is whatever. This is expected. This is how the housewives roll. And then you get it 
put succinctly in a minute long clip of all the past seasons and all the time, like all of her expenses. Yeah. And you're like, Ooh, yeah, not, a, not a great look. Not a great look. <laughs> um, and then, so basically the big question that we all have is what did Erica know and when? Because uh, the biggest thing is that there was a huge uh, plane crash and like everyone on the plane died. And it was one of those, I think it was in Indonesia, I believe. Oh, yeah. um, but a lot of the victims, so it basically left a ton of orphans and a ton of widows. And so a lot of American lawyers were representing victims like orphans and widows left from this crash. And so this was the case that basically blew his shit open and made him start getting like deeply investigated. And then it started revealing. So you get to know multiple victims in this special and like how they never got their money and all of the, I mean, Tom Girardi is totally slimy and totally manipulative and totally a pro at what he does. And you get to hear voicemails he left. You see all these emails, highly recommend, like very juicy. Um, but you still walk away kind of feeling like, well, there's, I still have no proof that Erica Jane, what she knew and if she knew things and yet, this is where the controversy comes in. So I was thinking even when we were watching this episode, uh, so you learn from this that Tom Girardi was deposed in that lawsuit a week into September of 2020. Okay. And this deposition is where he has to admit for the first time that he has lost all the money. So he said... There is about 50 or $80 million that I had at one time. It's nowhere. It's gone. And I also had $50 million in investments, and those are gone as well. I can show you where those went. I have, <laughs> I have a pretty good idea. <laughs> so that is the first time that that gets made public. And then Erica Jane gets deposed like two weeks later. But none of that was public at the time. So what I'm saying is this Lake Tahoe trip, she had already been deposed. So she could say she didn't know anything for a long time. And here's the thing. It's not that hard for me to imagine a world where Erica Jane is like, I don't ask questions. He goes to work. He makes lots of money. He gives me the money and I do what I want. I don't know the details of the shady dealings he's doing. And I don't ask because they've never had their person. Their lives have never been that intertwined. They've never really tried to fake that they're like this super like in love couple. Yeah, they yeah. haven't. It's just always been like there is love here and there's respect here. And he's like, you know what I mean? Um, and I mean, we all thought it was fishy that like he didn't go see her on Broadway a year and a half ago. Like there's been plenty of signs over the years that there is a distance between them and there seems to be a lot of coexisting, which you know, kind of goes with the stereotype of like a younger, beautiful woman, like marrying an old man with a lot of money. It and seems like a like beneficial arrangement. Yeah. It's like, would you be surprised if they had like two separate wings of their house? Absolutely you not. Know? Like there's no way they sleep in the same bed. Yeah. So it's hard because I can imagine that being the reality for Erica Jane. But 
by the time they both got deposed because there's no prenup when they got married. So she equally owns his assets. And they both were deposed in September of 2020. They went to Lake Tahoe at least a month, if not two months after that. Or so it was in the month between that and the election. Yes. So she obviously knew shit and she was choosing not to say it. You know, she's like, oh, he's at the law firm. And it's like, no, you knew everything was burning down at that point. Yeah. And then people have thoughts about the fact that she filed for divorce on election day. And it wasn't until like three to four weeks later that the entire pub, like that the lawsuit became public and people were speculating that they, Tom and Erica actually worked together to arrange this divorce to try and save some of their assets. Hmm. And that they're both responsible for embezzlement. Her name is at, like on multiple documentations of some of his shell companies where he put money as secretary. But again, that doesn't mean that she knew to me because I still think I, it's not hard for me to imagine a world where she's just like, whatever, use my name how you need to, like so that we pay as little taxes as possible. I'm not going to ask her. I don't know. But then she's so smart. And like, I'm like, she really wouldn't know any of this. That's, I just, I don't know what to think. I think that like, she definitely knows more than she's letting on. Erica Jane has always been secretive and she has always been calculated. And we've always known that, right? And so there is this part of me that's like, wow, maybe she's like next level beyond calculated in a way that we could have never thought. There I mean, I you, you do learn in the doc that she tried to do this whole pop star career thing once before when he wasn't in her life and it was a total fail yeah in like the early 2000s and then when like she kind of went for this uh like i think housewives was always a part of her plan to like elevate her name and then yeah. try again with the pop star stuff Eric, I recommend you watch it erica is a very don't you think yeah oh yeah people should watch it just, just because well, it's easy to hear like about financial drama from involving the housewives and you don't really like, you're like, oh my God, okay. Like another one, of, of course they're shady. Of course they're stealing shit. Of course they're taking advantage of all their privilege. But to hear like from these victims and like it, it really sinks in the gravity of what Tom has done. Oh, well, let's just say <sighs> like, obviously, you know, we talk, we're talking about the Erica connection of it all because it is a housewife related yeah. incident. But Tom's a Piece fucking shyster and like should beyond. probably spend the rest of his life in prison. Yeah, like beyond. Um, it's bad. And it's, it's so like unassuming because he's got his like, I'm just the nice old man routine. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. sir. Yeah. He, he pl oh. And now he's claiming that he has Alzheimer's. Oh, that's Which is right. a very convenient timed diagnosis. And as of January, he's been uh, under... in. Like his whole law firm has now been disillusioned and that's, I think, the wrong word, dissolved. Dissolved. Um, and he's been forced into involuntary bankruptcy. So now everybody's wondering, because Erica's trying to claim that what she has, because she probably now has more money to her name than he does. And so now her legal team is trying to... Um, say that anything she's received from Tom is not a shared asset because it was a gift. And so that's actually just hers. 
Oh, and we're not even saying the biggest bombshell is that this was released on Monday night and the next day, Erica Jane's legal team uh, walked out on her and put out a public statement that there's basically been like dishonesty in this relationship and like it can't continue because it's not professional. And then the last I saw was a headline yesterday that there may be like, I think she might be starting like getting them back or something. Yeah, there was conflicting conflicting reports. But they did put out that statement yeah, the day did. after. I think that they've just maybe like she's worked them. I don't know, guys, but I have just been like team Erica Jane forever and I know that on the intranet, I mean all like housewives fans are like vehemently anti-Erica now. Like, she knew exactly what she was doing. She has no conscience. She was fine as long as she had her 40 grand a month glam. And I totally get that. Uh, And yet I'm still struggling with, like, I just still feel like I don't have enough pieces of the puzzle yet to, like, say for sure that she really understood the gravity of what was going on. Right now, but maybe I'm totally naive. Right now, I think she is more guilty than not guilty. I think that all as I'm speaking, I'm starting to be like, "Do you hear yourself?" Like she, she of course knows what's going on. Like Erica Jane is very fucking smart, and she's probably been helping her husband with this stuff all along. Ah, I don't know, but it's just like I don't. Am I? I don't know if I'm capable of hating her. We're just going to, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Well, I don't think we can hate her as much as we hate Tom. I don't like, she's guilty in my opinion, but she's not go. I don't think she was the one going into the accounts and taking money out herself, but. She might've known a lot. She might've known a lot about what's going on. And so like, yeah, it's not a good look. And if that's the case and she was involved, then she should go to prison too. Hot wowie, take. wowie. Hot take. I'm you just saying, like, hot take. I mean, yeah, but of course, like, I mean, they won't because they're rich and white. Yeah. So, but they should. <laughs> yeah, they should. OMG. Okay. Well, so there's that. I mean, I, I, it's just going to be really fascinating to watch because obviously the Housewives franchise did not know as they were filming this that this ABC special was going to come out. So it's really fascinating the way that it's lining up because it's even a different network. The way that it's lining up with however Erica is going to choose to paint this tale in the coming weeks for the women and AKA for us because that's what it's really about. And to just see, like, I think we're just every week hopefully going to get a little bit more just insight into like, okay, what's her strategy right now? And that is how I'm viewing it now more than ever is like, oh, she's absolutely strategizing through the end of filming, I'm sure. Um, I'm on Garcelle's side in oh terms of like, I'm Garcelle's I'm, like, why didn't you just wait till he died? Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not about it. I, but in terms of Garcelle's skepticism and line of questioning that I think we're going to get. Oh, is about go- her not knowing. Yeah, right. I think I align with that probably yeah sort of thinking myself yeah um but yeah of course we get a teaser again if we don't talk about it next week i riot (laughs) yeah i riot yeah for sure um 
The only other thing about this episode, like totally switching away from this now, is that I just am obsessed with Harry Hamlin. I was going to say, we have to address the the, greatness of Harry Hamlin. Them doing a fire drill in case of brush fire in their garden with the actual timed, (laughs) the timed sprinting and the firefighter hose. Do you realize? That he has in his backyard. Do you realize that that pool's only function is as a I fire device. I was not willing fire... to accept that. It is. I mean, no. he made a comment like, it's not a pool, it's a reservoir. <laughs> I know, but I was like, okay. no, come on. You're letting your girls at least swim in that. I don't know. Does the pool have chlorine? He's like, is it's it an ugly ass pool. <laughs> it is like a huge above ground pool that, I mean, if you have one, and like, go for it. I, I'm a no, fan. No, we want one. We want in one our life. in our lives. But if but you a real are housewife. a real housewife <laughs> and you an have an above ground, ground pool, like Costco pool, it is not the best look yeah. in this Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Um, but I think its full, sole purpose is to put out the Santa Ana wind fires. Yeah. But Gosh, I just making love that him, man. he ages making so her, nicely. Oh, he's. His head of hair. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And the clear, I love the clear. Yeah, so cute. Uh, the clear frame glasses. Yeah. And the necklace. They're just, and they're such just a, a cute good, couple. Yeah. I just love them. I love that he's like, yeah, I'm just going to garden. I'm going to learn how to be a gardener. I know. He's got his compost. He's got. I know. She's like, do you put poop in it? Yeah. That's all <laughs> oh Rana needs gosh. to learn. Do you put poop in that? I okay. love that okay. he's like. Move, move, move. Come back to me. Bring the hose. <laughs> like, Hurry up. So- You've got one minute. <laughs> I would love making you do a fire drill like that. It was so funny. It was great to watch. Yeah, yeah that was a great. That was my favorite part of the episode is yeah, all sure. the, the Harry Hamlin we got this week. Yeah. Give us more Harry. Give I don't know. Like, I feel like he's like so. I don't know. I feel like he's busier than the other house husbands. Like as we, a working actor. Yeah, we just don't get a lot. Well, and he was probably not very interested in being on it very much. True. I need more Harry. He seems like a fairly normal But man. you just always forget over the years about Harry because he's not, I mean, Rena talks about him a lot. But oh, like Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin. <laughs> but like PK, Mauricio, even when uh, Vanderpump. Yeah, he never comes when in like Vanderpump bonds with them. Was on, That would be great. Her husband was there Like all the I would time, love you know? if Harry would try and bond with Mauricio. Yeah. And we could see them hang out. That would be a delight. Let's have some wine in the backyard, you know? Yeah. Hang out. But he doesn't want to debrief the Lake Tahoe drama. Oh, he like gives that. no shit about that. <laughs> he, he's got a zucchini squash to worry about. Yeah. Goals, goals, Harry. You've really inspired us with the whole garden thing, too. Yeah. So I think that's all we got for this week. Yeah. Uh, we will be back next week. Lots of things to think about. Um, if you haven't watched The Housewife and the Hustler yet, Go watch it because I think it's really fun supplemental material to be thinking about as we go through the end of the season so that we can like be unofficial amateur PIs. It isn't fully in the appendix to the syllabus to this podcast, but it kind of is. So oh, go it definitely watch it. is. It definitely <laughs> is. Okay. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you for bearing with us. This is out a couple days later than normal. Next week, we will get you with your pod by the end of Thursday. That's always the goal. Um, But we will talk to you soon.
拜拜。